Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. Today, I'm going to tell you about Georgics. <laughs> That's a word that has been lost to us modern Americans. It's spelled G-E-O-R-G-I-C-S. Georgics. The great Oliver DeMille, founder of the George Wythe College, points out that Georgics is one of the four great American ideals that has been lost, and uh, I'm going to tell you about the other three in uh, future programs here, but he contends that the first one, Georgics, is so important to us as a nation that a person can't really regard himself as a true American unless he actually is Georgic as well. So what is Georgic, and why would I be un-American if I'm not Georgic? Oh, wow. Is un-American actually a word? Yes, it is. In fact, that word, un-American, it also gives you a great big clue as to what Georgic means. Can you be un-Chinese or un-South African? How about un-English or un-Irish? No, but you can indeed be un-American. In fact, there was once a Senate subcommittee established specifically for un-American activities. Uh, folks, what I'm getting at is that the word American means a whole lot more than just the part of this world that you happen to live in. The word American meant a whole lot more to the people of the world a few years ago than it does today. Uh, today, our president has tried to tell the world that America is not an exceptional nation. <laughs> well, millions of immigrants who came to this country legally over the years at great personal sacrifice and danger put the lie to that claim. America is exceptional and always has been. That's why these millions of people came here. Georgics is a word that was very well known and understood to our colonial forebears and our founding fathers. The roots of the word come from the classical Greek and meant to work the land work the land. But to our founding fathers, it simply meant ownership. To the world, all Americans were Georgic. They were owners rather than serfs or slaves or servants or employees. In fact, when the nation was first born fully, 90% of the New England states were land and business owners. Ownership. When someone from another country saw an American, they associated the very word with that person being an owner. People from the rest of the world couldn't be owners. That was very special. People desired ownership so much that they would drop everything, leave behind everything they knew and loved to come to America to become Georgic or an owner. Oliver DeMille is a great hero of mine. He's one of the founders of the Restoring America movement. His George Wythe College graduates, they're genuine statesmen. And is, that's the only institution of higher learning in the United States that is designed specifically to graduate statesmen. What is a statesman? <laughs> Keep listening. George Wythe was a signer of the Declaration of Independence and a mentor of many of our founding fathers, including Thomas Jefferson. The George Wythe College gives its students a genuine classical education as opposed to the cookie-cutter employee type of education that is standard in America. Oliver DeMille likes to say, Why study this modern, dumbed-down math when you can go directly to Pythagoras or Euclid or, or the other great thinkers and learn right from the source? To me, that makes a lot of sense. 
Why spin your wheels trying to figure out Reaganomics or Keynesian or trickle-down economics when you can go right to Adam Smith and his great work, The Wealth of Nations? That five-volume epic work explaining capitalism was first published in 1776, and all the members of the Constitutional Convention were fully aware of it. That book was used to identify and codify modern American capitalism economics. This is the capitalism that had enough power to build the nation that has created more wealth than all other nations in the world combined. Now, how do you improve on an economic system like that? <laughs> yeah, let's study that one. The wealth of nations. We don't need to change our economy. We just need to learn how to unleash it again. Our strength lies in our history. It is true that America has been maligned and accused of all sorts of evil things, and, and some of it's even true. There are bad apples in every barrel. But America is not bad. Just how do you suppose we got to become the breadbasket of the world? What motivated the United States to give more in charity than all other nations combined? We are a good people. Our strength lies in our history. Now more than ever, we have got to understand that we cannot restore America. We can't restore anything. We can't restore America unless we know how it was in the beginning. Now, the word Georgics is just part of what America was like in the beginning. We were owners. We had an ownership mentality. Americans were not employees. Oh, yes, of course, we, we had employees. But that was not the goal. A typical employee was actually called an apprentice. And the goal was still to become an owner. You might be a farmer, a merchant, a shop owner, or a gunsmith. You were an owner. You were Georgic. Now, this concept of ownership is such a major part of America that even when the IRS was created along with that progressive income tax, the tax code was divided into two tax codes. Did you know that? <laughs> yep, -er. we still have two tax codes. One is for the employee class and one is for the owner class. Did you know that? It's absolutely true. As a business owner, you get tax advantages that employees never do. As a business owner, you can deduct almost every expense, even your rent or mortgage payments. As an employee, you only have the standard deductions, and they're not much. But as a business owner, even a very small part-time business out of your home, you can deduct telephone, car expenses, even lawn service and dog walkers. The reason is not because the IRS just likes business owners, but from the very beginning, Congress has recognized the need to protect and encourage small businesses in America. Now, one major reason we won the Revolutionary War was because of George Washington's secret weapon, and that was the American long rifle. It was so extraordinary because unlike the English infantryman's musket, the brown best they called it, the American long rifle had riflings, or grooves, inside the barrel. It actually hit what you aimed at. The brown bess was a huge musket and had a smooth bore. It did not shoot straight, but with a 75, cal 75 caliber. 
That's a three-quarter-inch ball, lead ball, and it ripped down range is over 700, maybe even 800 feet per second. It really did some damage when it got wherever it was going. But our American long rifles were precise, and you could hit a post <laughs> or a red coat at over 300 yards. Although it was only 50 caliber or half-inch ball, it was far more fearsome weapon because of its accuracy. The American long rifle was truly an American phenomenon. Nearly every town and village had a gunsmith who was Georgic. He owned his own shop. He made the best rifles in the world. His assistants were not employees just working for a wage. They were Georgic, too. They were called apprentices, and they were looking forward to when they could also become Georgic and own their own gun shop as well. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Until next time, remember, you are learning the truth. Tell your friends, speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry. <laughs>